0: Good evening, Malach the Maleficent. Here, it has come to my attention that this is the one hundredth episode of Morris' unofficial tabletop RPG talk, a weekly podcast about role-playing game news. Oh, that means they've been making this awful show for oh, is there one, two, three? Mm, yes. No, I don't have enough fingers. Wait. Wait, I have a box of them here. Ah, yes, yes, so there's a, and then uh, a 98, 99, ooh, yes, two years. Two years of dreary RPG news and cringeworthy skits, <laughs> according to at least one charming reviewer. At least they have interesting guests on sometimes. Well, happy birthday, and here's to another 100 episodes. I won't be listening. All oh, the Tabletop role playing news, we aim to amuse and we aim to
1: enthuse And Morris' unofficial
0: Tabletop RPG Talk Ahoy, ahoy, ahoy and welcome to Morris's unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk I am Morris aka Russ or Russ, aka Morris, and with me this week is.
2: Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, has ever, it is a complete delight to be here. But wait, there's a eerie presence has materialised next to us.
0: Two eerie presences?
2: <laughs> oh. uh, they've just flown in from America and, boy, are their arms tired. We have the inestimable Shane Sacks. And of course, our amazing editor, Dalmott, has also joined us because it wouldn't be a 100th episode without such sterling contributors.
1: Hello. Hello. How you doing? I have
2: to say. <laughs> yeah, we're slamming had to cut Shane off on drinks. that one and explain.
3: <laughs> yeah, I had to. Russ takes Russ and takes pleasure <laughs> in any time we're on the show, making yeah. sure it's as early as possible in America, just to screw with us because we Americans always schedule stuff so late in the UK.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's. <laughs> And, uh, it's, and
0: it's, it's retribution, is what it is.
1: To add, uh, to add to the fun, Daryl and I are both late sleepers, so yeah, we're, we're we're a little slap happy right now. Night hours. Yeah, yeah you can t- t- you can actually tell what time I went to sleep.
3: Night. Look what time I posted the news digest column. Five minutes oh. later, I was out. <laughs> well,
2: so i been like, up running D and D to help people out. All
0: right, then. So uh, it's a it's a special week this week. Is it? Today is our 100th episode.
1: Yay! Woo! Woo! Fireworks! Yeah! Fireworks! Yay! <laughs> for, for those okay. of you that can't see at home, because you're listening to the audio, there's fireworks in our Zoom. So many fireworks!
2: fireworks. It this looks pretty good. So.
1: It looked pretty good, actually. Everybody's yeah, fireworks Yeah, absolutely. No,
0: I, I don't fun. know. I don't know whether that could be edited into something that will look alright or not. But you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll it's try. We've got to find happen?
2: talent... Okay, look, people's expectations have been suitably calibrated by the previous 99 to 100 <laughs> well, episodes. Well, there is If
1: not. <laughs> well, if we <laughs> want to be picky, it's the previous 100 episodes.
2: <laughs> it's true. Uh, we should be so, picky. It's the previous 100 episodes. This is just the 101st. But it's so episode 100. number 100. 100.
0: Yes. So this episode's oh. going to follow loosely the usual formula we're going to do the news we're going to do a quick round of our favorite game in all the world but the topic of the week this week is we're all going to pick or we already have picked something of interest to ourselves and we're just going to you know riff on that topic each there'll be four topics we're going to riff on each of those four topics for you know just a few minutes each 10 minutes or so and then move on to the next so uh yeah you'll probably find out later in the show what those exciting <laughs> topics are whoop, whoop, whoo. hi this is dominic mcdowell
3: from cubicle 7 congratulations on the 100th episode guys awesome stuff well done this is craig campbell from Nerdburger games wishing the folks at morris's unofficial rpg news podcast a happy 100th episode
0: All right, so let's do some RPG news, shall we? Going. Yes, I think we shall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Who here is a fan of My Little Pony?
2: <laughs>
0: Sorry, <guys. laughs> it's
1: not just um, <laughs> I like the nostalgia that it evokes boy, from my who childhood. Who here has
0: heard of My Little Pony? <laughs>
4: Me! I've heard I I really got, se- I got
3: several friends that are bronies, but <laughs> too, a that's a not my scene. Oh, I yeah. have a
4: friend yeah, who's a legitimate
1: brony. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and I bought him the uh, My Little Pony uh, D&D dice that Wizards put out a couple of years ago. Did right. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yes. That, that wow. is not a thing that I remember.
1: Yep. I, know, I know people who
2: are very keen on My Little Pony.
0: Well, for those people that are very keen on My Little Pony,
2: yes.
0: and they're also in the Venn diagram of people that are keen on Dungeons & Dragons, Interesting. in the center of that what? Venn diagram, in the mm. intersection of that Venn diagram, mm-hmm. a Toy store in Norwich in Norfolk posted a photo to its Facebook group showing a D and D themed My Little Pony set. Is it? Hmm.
1: God, why so it's it's toys, but yeah, they're yes. they're themed to to D and D. Okay.
0: So it's a line called uh, Cutie Marks. And uh, they've they've done it before. They've done it for Transformers, they've done it for Power Rangers and other things that Hasbro owns. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, D&D's just the latest in in the line. And basically it's a box and you get five pony models. It's not a game. It's a box with five pony models and each one is based on a and d class. And um, yeah, there's also a custom D20 and a DM screen. And then the five ponies are a barbarian, a bard, a druid, a rogue, and then uh, either a wizard or a cleric.
3: I think it looks like a wizard to me because it's a spellbook saddle bag.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that's pretty I mean, Obviously, My Little Pony and role-playing games are not new. Uh, For instance, there's the Pathfinder conversion of My Little Pony.
0: Uh, Uh, There's Tales of of, of of Equestria. (laughs) That's the official one,
3: which, ironically, Wizards of the Coast did not do. And Boy, the yes.
0: Pathfinder one is Ponyfinder, yes, yeah, po- yeah. probably Ponyfinder, yeah. yes. Yeah. Pony well, and guess- also, let's
2: not forget the horror conversion of "Don't rest your head, don't rest your hooves."
1: <laughs> well, why not? I mean, because see, yeah. okay. the beauty the beauty of modern role playing is that there <laughs> is a flavor for everybody. Um, it's pretty broad um, but but I will say that I have heard very good things about the Tales of Equestria role playing game. Seriously, I mean, I've heard like oh, yeah, yeah. legit hardcore roleplayers like you know it's actually a, a pretty darn good roleplay yeah. game. So and, okay. and also they
3: also had an episode of uh, My Little Pony Friendship of Matt is Magic that was the D and D episode because that was the big thing around that time was having the D and D episode the D&D was uh, episode. Dungeons and yeah. Discord and Discord on the show is played by John Delancey by the way, uh, aka Q from uh, Star Trek. Q. Uh,
0: well,
1: what do you know? Yeah.
0: If, if you yeah. are planning on rushing out to in-demand toys in Norwich, Norfolk,
1: oh, I assume other stores will working. also have
0: it. But <laughs> Yeah. Um, there is no release date yet, and oh. the store has said they'll be available for pre-order soon.
1: Well, I bet that's you there's going to be some people hoof it to go pick those up.
0: <laughs> <Ouch>.
2: <laughs> I am oh, sorry. Shame. Get <laughs> out of here. Well, well, they want to get hold of them. They won't want to be a cult out unable to do so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know uh, Trodvang Adventures? Oh mm-hmm. no! From uh, Yeah, from the Swedish games publisher Riot Minds. Mm-hmm. Uh It was the most anticipated game of the year, if you recall, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago mm-hmm. in our in our countdown poll. So, those Swedish ones always score really high. I think partly because the Swedish um, fan base is quite cohesive. Mm. Whereas, say, the American fan base is fan base is much more much more spread out. But um, Trudvang Adventures is the five uh, E version of Trudvang Chronicles. So it's oh, uh, okay, right? Okay. So it's kind of Nordic myths and sagas. So it's Nordic, Nordic, Celtic. Yeah, uh, and um, they're launching a Kickstarter on May the twenty third. So if I want
2: right to fight in. trolls and fairies in a pine forest, then this has very much got me covered, is what I'm hearing. I guess so, yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Fae, like real Fae. Yeah. Not, not like, uh, you know, Fae D&D. through the lens mm. of, you know, pop culture, but more real mm-hmm. yeah. The yeah. Swedish
0: games are always gorgeous. Oh. Like, it's, I mean, it's, there's, what, two or three different, like Free League do amazing, gorgeous mm-hmm. stuff as well. Yeah. Like, all those Swedish publishers just make... Absolutely gorgeous stuff. I don't know what it is about the Swedes that just makes them make such beautiful role-playing games.
1: It's just in their DNA somehow. I guess so. It sounds amazing. Looking forward to it. You'd expect their games to be cheesy, but they're not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm still waking up. No, I'm not sorry. I'm going to own that. I'm owning it.
0: (laughs) Um, There was a new unearthed arc from yeah. Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. Oh. And they revisited three subclasses which they'd mm-hmm. uh, visited uh, long before. It was the uh, Revived, and the Noble Genie, and the archi- Archivist subclasses. Yes. Um, they've revisited them with mm-hmm. new versions which they've called the Phantom, yes. the Genie, and the mm-hmm. Order of Scribes. Mm-hmm. Has anyone seen these? I have not. Yes. I
2: have. Any I have. thoughts? So, so what do you think, Daryl?
1: Oh, sorry. Say? I was just saying, there's actually a subclass called Genie. Genie? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, a, it's
3: hmm. the pact that, you, uh, it's a warlock pact. Oh, I
2: got you. It's the pact. Patron. Okay. All right. Patron. Patron. Patron not right. Pact. But yeah, that's out there. Yeah. You, you say, hey, you're a genie. And it's got like uh, Marid and Dow and what's it? Efreet and... Yep. Afreeti, guess, uh, um, The other one.
3: <laughs> Marid, <Marys>, the genie, <laughs> and Dow. Uh, for the That's four elements. Neat. And what's kind of cool about mm-hmm. it is it, it, it's, it, it really ties into the way you'd normally encounter a genie and like, here is where they live. Here is their, and then you roll on the table. It's a lamp or a ring or some sort of artifact. Mm. And, but then instead of, okay, my master, let me grant you, which is like, hey, let's make a deal. Let's right. work together here. So you're running around like wearing the ring of the genie that your right. patron is in as a warlock. So your patron is there all the time
1: i like uh, that you know there was a uh i'm gonna riff just a little bit on this idea but uh-huh. in in dc comics in uh-huh. the in the crime syndicate evil universe where there's uh-huh. the evil versions of the justice league uh power ring who is the uh the green analog lantern. for green lantern his <laughs> ring actually had an evil entity in it and and they had to constantly argue back and forth uh and he he had to constantly try to Use his willpower to keep this entity. It's called Volthum. Mm-hmm. and uh, so that's really interesting. Uh, the, you could have some interesting dynamics there. I think hmm. that's hey, interesting. Yeah, I it, think it's by
2: far the most interesting of the three.
1: Well, you're not the, a fan of um
2: Arcana generally,
0: are you? So you're saying oh, this is quite a strong one in your in your view? Um, the the
2: flavor of the Warlock is fantastic. Mm. Uh, like this whole genie pact sounds pretty good. The rogue, it's like, it's a bit overtuned for my taste. You get sneak attack then half sneak attack in psychic damage to somebody else. It's like, that's, that's a bit tasty. Like, I, I can see that being popular for nerfing, which is a shame because you don't really need to nerf rogues that much. But that is a lot of, that's a lot of extra dice you'll get be you rolling, especially at higher levels. And uh, the, the wizard one is like, yeah, let's... Let's just make all spells cheap for wizards to copy. Doesn't matter what school they are. And then I sort of.
3: Yeah, I like it. Okay, he, I he, can't remember. This is the nerd of the nerds of the magic users. Right. Indie. This is the guy who's just constantly got his nose in a book. He can actually cast spells from his book using it as a spell casting focus. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of wizards I like to play, is the really, really really bookish ones who get thrust in these adventures it's like well the only reason i'm out here is because i've got to do field research damn it Hmm.
1: i i think the rogue that you mentioned is like also doing psychic damage and whatnot i wouldn't want that running half sneak attack in psychic damage as well as regular sneak attack yeah that's a lot of dice I don't know if I'd want that in my regular setting, but there's certain settings where it'd be a good fit. Like, like I thought, a Dark Sun that that might fit a Rogan Dark Sun, right? You know, uh, you know something it seemed like to that. me like
3: it was that was them riffing off of um, Dishonored.
1: Oh, okay, oh, interesting. With I their,
3: think. they have their kind of pseudo magic rogue assassin as the main character in that. So they kind <laughs> of the same way they have the the monk that's basically Avatar: The Last Airbender.
2: Mmm, temples Four elements. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I would not be surprised if a lot of this stuff wasn't being informed by role playing or video computer games. Oh, pop because culture, because there's a, yeah, there's a, like speaking of Venn diagrams from earlier, there is a lot of crossover. Yeah, people so. want to play things, and that's it, absolutely fine. I just find th-
2: some things a bit over tuned, like that's yeah, probably gonna upset the balance a bit, and right. I want everyone to have some share in the spotlight.
0: Hey, do you, any of you remember the uh, the role-playing game Twilight 2000? I do. Mm-hmm. From the 80s.
1: First game I ever played where individual uh, areas had hit points, like your arm oh. had hit points and your leg had hit points. And... So I have not played it, but I'm aware of its existence. And this
0: was by Game Designers Workshop originally, wasn't it? Back, mm-hmm. in, back in the 80s. Um, so there's a new edition coming. It's going to be the fourth edition of Twilight 2000, uh, Twilight 2000. And this is going to be by, going back to the
1: Swedes, is going to be by Free League. Ooh, well, then it's going to be beautiful. Yes. That, yes. that post-apocalyptic landscape will be beautiful yeah I what, mean it's like Freelig and
3: Modiphius are competing to see who can have the most titles out at one time they I think.
1: have
0: started, ma- yeah, they yeah, they've started coming up haven't they they started getting quite a few of them they've got Alien recently um what else have they done recently what, what, what me, is Freelig about
3: which uh, means Z- year zero they're using the same system for Twilight 2000
1: yeah is it a post-apocalyptic game then mm-hmm. uh yeah so it's after World War 3 you're basically okay. now back in it may change now but back in the day uh-huh. You were basically a squad of soldiers uh-huh. after the collapse of everything. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we were, you know, I remember playing, we're like, you you basically got like an M16 and a Humvee and, so, and you're, it's its like Gamma uh, World without mutant, you know, without mm. the Fallout extra, played straight,
3: No non the yeah. s- satire oh, combat, so it's just... A yeah,
2: yeah.
3: yeah the Cold War turned hot. The Cold War turned hot and now this is the what's left. Like, do it's
0: Go ahead. Do any of you guys know what the Mutant Year Zero system works? I, mm. I'm not super familiar with it. So Mutant Year Zero mm. powers forbidden lands mm. or oh, it's the, it was the Alien RPG. Okay. I, I know how the Alien RPG system works. It's the same system, isn't it?
3: Okay. Yep. Cool. And then it's, uh, and then they have a hex crawl on top of it for
0: Mutant Year Zero.
2: Mm. That's, that seems to be an important part of it.
1: Mm.
2: Um, well, I've had it played at the club. I didn't get the chance to, but people spoke highly of it, so yeah.
0: Well, this this edition it's set in a year 2000, devastated by war, in uh-huh. a alternate timeline where the Moscow coup of 1991 succeeded and the okay. Soviet Union never collapsed. Mm. Yeah.
2: Sounds interesting. Okay.
0: And it will be coming history. to Kickstarter in August.
2: Right. So that's another two and a half months. We shall look forward to it.
0: Yeah. Also involved in this is... Armagosa Press. Armagosa which is Press. Angus Abramson's latest company.
3: Yeah, he's uh, he's the okay. editor
0: on the book. Yeah.
3: Oh, okay.
0: I mean Armagosa announced Dark Conspiracy fourth edition a few weeks ago.
1: Oh. am oh. uh, not familiar. Okay. But it sounds dark. And there might be a conspiracy. <laughs> a conspiratorial one. <Interesting>.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh you should play our favourite game in all the
1: world I <laughs> think yeah, sure you might enjoy it oh my favourite thing to do is to spring unexpected versions on Russ ah uh, I knew there was a reason I liked you <laughs> hey, do you remember the uh, comic relief
0: D&D game Sue Perkins, Nish Kumar, Sarah oh, Pasco, and Ed Gamble did any of yes. you see it?
2: yeah I, yeah, I saw it, I was, was, it I was there watching it yeah it was amazing it was really authentic it's yeah. not it's not like one of these sort of semi stage games. No, these, these people are playing Property and D. Uh, and it's like the learning curve was like, Yeah, I'm a bit suspicious because 'cause they've gone from Oh, oh, do I do I roll this colour coded dice or this yeah. one? To yeah, okay, I got uh I got fifteen plus the seven two hit is twenty one. Uh no it's twenty two, right. sorry, and I've rolled a D eight for damage. I think a couple of them. I think, I think Sue
0: Perkins said she'd played before, didn't she? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, um but Ed Gamble was like waving a DMG
0: around. He seems like the oh, sort like, of person that would have yeah. played before. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, the reason yeah, I mention it is it. just that it's now on YouTube. If you, yeah. if you missed it live last Friday, then it's really you can go and watch. Yeah, that, I, that's, I very much enjoyed it.
3: That is exactly what I'm planning to do after we're done here. It's because I didn't. I watched about five minutes of it and nodded off. Mm. Not yeah, because yeah, of yeah, anything with that. It was just I was exhausted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but you say it's worth the watch, then
2: Peter. Oh yeah, I. I I very much enjoyed it. I mean, um, jolly good, jolly good. we've actually talked about the work of Paul Foxcroft on this show before, mm-hmm. um, back when I uh, was at the Edinburgh Festival and saw, um, what's it, uh, Questing Time, mm-hmm. where uh runs it for celebrities and I watched it in a container <laughs> in Edinburgh. <laughs>
4: container. Uh, that was
2: quite good. Yeah, you know, like those uh, high cube containers that you take stuff around in? They converted one of those into a stage. Oh, okay. Um, so I sat in one of those um, watching it. It's like probably about, I guess it would be oh, two years ago. But yeah, no, it was quite good. Nice. Um, very much enjoyed it. And um, excellent DMing.
0: Hey, guess what we finished this week? Uh, what have we finished this week? Uh, Finally. Uh, the last biscuits.
3: Oh, apart from I, the I know. The I, know this one. I know this one. I know this one. Strontium dog.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. Finally.
1: Yeah, this, this is, is where... You've you've impelled yourself on being an editor rather than a writer and, and having yeah and fun yeah I've
0: currently <laughs> been editing that and mythological figures at the same time and I I'm not an editor and I hate editing but somehow <sighs> that appears to be the thing that I'm doing all the time but enough of that no. it's done Stone Dog hey. is done it's a hardcover book Johnny Alpha yep. hardcover book full colour mm. 176 pages I think. And it has been sent to Rebellion. We sent it yesterday Ooh. for approval. Yes. And the moment they email us back and saying yes, that's approved. Assuming yes. they email us back and say yes, that's approved, because they might, <laughs> they might not. I say, no, <laughs> they no, no not. got it all wrong. But, but historically, they <laughs> tend to. Um,
2: <laughs> who is um, this We've never heard of
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ian Publishing, this isn't Modifius or Freely. Yeah. Reject it.
0: Uh, the number of people I've seen online who now think because Modifius um now stocks mm-hmm. um are gay yeah, well, on their store, yeah. which yeah. is lovely of them. But yeah. um uh, a lot of people now think Modifius produce it as well.
1: Of course. Yes. Yes, I think oh, it's not sorry.
3: helped the fact that they actually did do that with one title, Vampire the Masquerade, mm, where they oh, actually oh. took anyway, over the anyway. license and are doing
1: it in-house. Oh. Well, it uh, is like you said; it's really cool of them because that will increase exposure and in sales, no doubt. Well, there there but, is yeah. there
0: is a good chance if um, if um, Rebellion come back with a yes today, they've looked through it and uh, they approve it today, and they're usually pretty quick on these things. Depends on how busy they are, and it's the end of the week, so maybe not. But if they do so today, it may go on pre-order as soon as, well, before this podcast goes out. Maybe, fingers crossed. Maybe it might not. It might not. Uh, It's not a promise, but um, it is possible. Uh, In which case, people will be able to get
4: uh, people will be able to get
0: the PDF straight away, and then we'll put the print run in, and that will, well, that's already ordered. So. uh, depending on COVID stuff mm-hmm. we're cautiously sort of saying about August is a decent amount of padding for when those will actually go out oh, okay. and, so, okay. and
1: Strontium Dog is another Worlds of 2000 AD IP, yes, right? Yes. where it's, yes. it's Post apocalyptic, uh, or well, this just, uh, it's space so. bounty, bounty, bounty hunters, is more than that. It's kind of space yeah. bounty yeah. hunters, yeah,
0: yeah, bounty, bounty bounty hunters hunters. time, time travel, bounty hunters. very, very very cosmic
3: Marvel DC kind of feel yeah. to it, but so. Guardians
0: okay. of the Galaxy kind of thing, okay, like yeah.
3: 2080s take on it, so.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's
1: it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit rougher and a little bit more cynical, right? Because uh, AD has a, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, they, it's, they, it's yeah. a little
0: wacky. It's got yeah. you, can, you can travel through time, you can travel through space. so You might go back in time and try and kidnap Hitler or something. Yeah, uh, or off. I don't know why I said Hitler, but he's the one you always think of, yeah. isn't it? But
3: um, yeah, I, also, I think Hitler. I think they actually did that. They kidnapped Hitler yes, and made him stand yeah. trial in the future in the comic.
1: Yeah, yeah, classic. Mm, nice. I just want and I don't I don't know a lot about the IP. All I know is I want to make a character named Johnny Omega to be the arch nemesis to Johnny Alpha. Because I love that name Johnny Alpha. I don't even know anything about Johnny Alpha, but that's such a great snappy name. Yeah. I was, I was, I was glancing through the equipment section the
0: and I looked at the time bomb. I love the time bomb. <laughs> time
1: bomb. So it's it's actually a bomb that that deals with it creates uh, a temporal vortex and just nice.
0: catapults anyone in the area either forward or backward in time
1: nice fair enough oh you sound like somebody else's problem shoo, yes shoo, shoo. time bomb time bomb <laughs> if it's a cheesy play on words i like it That's um well. also the other thing i did this week
0: thump 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 <laughs> So just it down? <laughs> no, I, I yeah, loved the I title know. of
3: this whenever I was writing it up for the news digest. <laughs> it's a great so concept. It's, like, yeah. it's a great concept too. It's a one-page adventure. Tom. Oh, Tom. Yes.
1: Oh, right.
0: Okay. okay. And it's got this group of Durgar or Draegar oh. or Dergar or however however you pronounce that word. Grey dwarves.
2: Dorgar.
1: Dwarves. Durgar. Yeah. Durgar.
0: That was in the deep. Dargar. Dwer- I don't know. Rugar. Durgar. Oh, no. <laughs> And uh, they've created a giant machine, and they're trying to awaken this uh, horrible monster from underground. Because, so of course, this- they are. <laughs> yes, why wouldn't they? Well, uh, it's
2: dwarves. Yeah. Like, you know, they make cool stuff, and they delve too deep. Yeah. It's like their entire culture is yeah. based around that. what they do. Yeah. 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 So they
0: made this giant machine, and it's basically a big piston, which goes thump, thump, thump uh-uh. into the ground in order to try and wake this, um, this, 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 so
3: this monster. Having... That's what my cat was doing so to me at 4 a.m. this morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. So that. they're literally trying to thump it awake. Yes. Not through dark rituals, or accident, but literally thump, yes. thump, thump. Yes. Like, wake up, wake yes. up. I love it. All right. It's like the old Victorian knocker. Thump, <laughs> <laughs> thump, thump. Time to
0: wake up. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love it. Well, this is, is based just...
0: on um, an adventure by William Fisher, who wrote it for us for Trail Seeker. It's the last Ooh. adventure in Seeker because Seeker mm-hmm. ended this week. Was it that this was week? the
1: Pathfinder.
0: Yeah. Right. Guess, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a really fun little adventure. It's one of my favorite mm. ones. Mm. Almost as much fun as the kobolds who are trying to build a flying contraption so they can be like dragons. <laughs> I did like that one. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got in the news? <laughs> Shall I have a look on here? I'm just looking at your column now, Daryl.
3: Well, there is an announcement of an announcement, this time from Larian Studios. The licensor for the Baldur's Gate game line has taken a cue from Wizards of the Coast.
2: Mhm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're
3: going to they yes. announced that they're going to do an announcement about yes. Baldur's Gate 3 at an upcoming video game event. It's um
2: Excellent. Mm. Well, that, that's important though cuz I don't want to miss the announcement.
3: <laughs> yep, it's uh, the the Gorilla Collective virtual events coming up in early June. Uh there's a bunch <laughs> of different indie game studios like the people who made um uh Disco Elysium are going to be participating in it as well, but mm. basically cool. everyone's holding their breath because Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be the big Thing at this event, and mm-hmm. everyone's wanting when's open access, when's early access going to start, mm-hmm. and we think that's what the uh, what the announcement is probably, be. and we're hoping it's going to be this summer, so that they'll be right. tuned up for a holiday release coming up at the end of the year.
0: I do like a good bit of news about an announcement about an announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always uh, always cheers I, me up. I'm
2: just going to say that since the start of quarantine, I've been doing a lot more online gaming. I have a small group of the four of us we are now 60 hours into divinity original sin 2 and they are in act four nice so i'm not even going to you know, tell you how many hours i have in BattleTech. tech but I'm, I'm just saying it's the same engine so it's like mm. as soon as that thing it is going to be like you know frantic scrapping at k- keyboards and people desperate to play yeah. that now it's, the early access really is going to be
3: limited it. it's only going to be the first act there's only going to be five of the um can't remember what they call them—the origin characters—and then there's yeah, yeah. only six classes and two subclasses if you create your own character.
0: Oh yeah, see so you've got a list here. So yeah. we've got a human warlock, a half elf cleric, a Kishyanki fighter, a human wizard, and an We're elven off. vampire spawn rogue.
1: Yeah, unless they just unless they just stumble out the gate, which I don't foresee happening. Yeah. This is going to be a monster mm. uh, but, but, CRPG. I mean, you got Larian who is is, is, is is in my opinion, putting out the best mainstream, RP, you know, computer RPGs, doing an mm. amazing job, plus the Baldur's Gate IP. Mm. Uh, I, it's going to be a monster. And like I said, unless they just somehow stumble out the gate, which I don't see that happening. And, and also, this is just to throw
2: it out there, the DOS2 engine comes with a Games Master mode as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they built... Mm. Uh, mm. He... Uh, I can't remember the uh, Sven. It's Sven something. The the, the head of Larian uh-uh. built Lost Mine of Phandelver in yeah. the 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 uh, original Sin Two oh. engine. Took yep. it to Wizards of the Coast and showed it's take, it to it's Taking
0: me back to my neverwinter nights days. All this talk. Yeah, yeah.
1: and they I, and I guarantee you because they said yes, you can put that out. To let people play, and yep. I guarantee you, that's what was the genesis of them working on Baldur's Gate three. Mm. The, the, the fan made content
2: is going to be berserk, like mm. just so much of it. they like, uh, gonna, it's like people will say, "Fantastic! This is the opportunity I've always wanted to convert the entirety of like all these hardback things together." I for one, I'm super stoked
1: to see people will do it. I mean, it, you yeah. know, I, I, I've heard Russ I'll mention a lot the the uh, entire eras of his life that he's lost to Neverwinter Nights mm-hmm. online. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it will be huge and people want real game master tools and when I, yeah. let me, let me explain what I mean by that. There was a game that came out a few years ago called Sword Coast Legends and uh-huh. it was a, it was a D&D 5e adaptation, kind mm-hmm. of an action RPG. It had Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast Blessing. It had, you know, official lore. It was tying into, right. like the, Out of the Abyss, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And they said it would have a game master mode. And mm. that got people really excited. Yeah. But then when they found out is the game master mode was you gave it a few options and it generated everything for you. Like you didn't get to play, you didn't get to build the dungeons and and, and there was the backlash killed the game. And it was yeah. actually a pretty good game. Yeah, but yeah. It, it put in space the yeah. the, the, the studio that, that made the game out yeah. of business after twenty years. Wow. So people want that those game master tools. But it's fair. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that
2: Baldur's Gate 3 will have these tools. I'm saying that I know that the engine does have them right. in the yep. DOS 2 thing. And, like, whilst not that fussed about that because, you know, it doesn't really mean anything to people who aren't super invested in the lore, which I'm not, having the option to play it with people who are super invested in playing Dungeons & Dragons would be kind of big.
1: Yeah, hopefully they'll uh, do that. I mean, most yeah. games that have legs most video games that have legs have some sort of game creation component oh, yeah, yeah. with it modding or, or at least make it easy to mod and that sort of thing oh, so we're super enthusiastic about that is there anything else in the news russ there
2: is
0: there again is. i'm looking at daryl's column here and we've got mm-hmm. a bit of news about alliance game distributors do you want to cover that daryl
3: hi uh, alliance has resumed shipping or will it resume shipping um starting on next week uh, May 18th, they're opening up the warehouses. First shipments go out May 20th. Uh, I know uh, last week or the week before, we covered that uh, Diamond, which is the comic book sister company of Alliance Game Distributors... Ah, uh, they had just reopened their stores, but their uh, or their warehouses. But this is confirmation that Alliance is doing the same thing at the same time period. So, local game stores who have had stuff on backwater, who are still open and doing non-contact sales, or or being are able yeah. to open their areas, they can now open, or they're now mm. going to be able to get stock in of games that they haven't been getting. Mm,
2: Basically, yeah. the distribution's do, back up back up again. Finally, I do hope everyone's careful with the old social distancing and stuff because that's still going to be pretty important. Mm-hmm. My so, local
1: yeah. stores have been. My local stores mm-hmm. have. They're legitimately following the CDC guidelines. Mm-hmm. They're like mm-hmm. people are like, when are you going to open? They're like, well, when the CD, you know, we're following the CDC yeah. guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, I follow the comic book industry about as close as I follow the RPG industry. Mm-hmm. And Diamond, for better or worse, you can you can uh, you can argue whether what they did was good or not. That's not what I'm going to. I'm just saying. Right. They shut the, one company shut the entire mm. comic book industry down mm. with one decision. So, right. uh, you know, and, and so it'll be interesting to see if if anything changes out of that, you know, coming oh. coming on the other end of COVID. So, yeah.
0: Hey, PaizoCon if- Online 2020. Oh, get in. Mm. So, uh, according uh, to uh, Daryl, again, I mean, do you want to <laughs> cover it, Daryl? You wrote this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, they uh
3: piezo online 2020 is going to be taking place uh tuesday may 26th through sunday may 31st Uh, they have now posted the event schedule uh they posted the panels that they're going to be hosting on their twitch channel uh which they're going to be having like it's going to be all day long pretty much every day of that which is uh, like a week long full of stuff they're going to have announcements Mm. for uh kingmaker is coming to pathfinder second edition they're going to be Mm. that's going to be the first big panel they have um what else was it? Uh, a Starship Operations Manual. They're going to be going into that for Starfinder. Um, an update on organized play. They do that every year at PaizoCon. Uh, and a, a look at the upcoming Advanced Players Guide. This is also where Paizo typically announces their release schedule for the rest of the year. Going into the upcoming year. Like They'll usually go all the way out until February or March the following year at PaizoCon. Uh, announcing what the new products are going to be. So that's something we are looking forward to. And there are over... One thousand one hundred and fifty virtual gaming events that you can sign up for. Wow! Like like virtual tables that are uh, both organized play and uh, outside of the like Pathfinder Society, Starfinder Society, just like games that people have created for the virtual
1: convention. Mm. These these online conventions seem to be more successful than I would have anticipated.
0: It's gonna be interesting. UK Games Expo is doing one now. Which is going to be in August. Uh, I wonder, the big question is what's, uh,
1: what's Gen Con doing? Uh, they're, I mean, they keep pushing. They're things. Still in I, a holding pattern, aren't they? They're mm-hmm. holding on by their fingernails, yeah. hoping they can have it, but they're waiting on, yeah. you know. It's not I'm sure happen, there's. I don't think. Well, even if it least... happens,
3: it's not going to be really Gen Con.
0: Even if it happens, yeah, no one will go to it. Well, maybe they will. First Who we'll... knows? I don't know. Well, I a wouldn't... small percentage will. Well, a bunch but of the big won't... companies
3: yeah. have already stated flat out, our. our going to physical conventions for the year is over. Like Fantasy yeah, Flight, yeah. they're not going to any conventions. Um, Green Ronin aren't going to any more conventions for the, end of, for the rest mm. of the year. They've just completely rolled everything over to 2021.
0: The only ones it, that it's... might be going ahead, maybe something like Dragon Meat, which is in December. But even that, I don't know. Right. Uh, okay. Has anyone got any more news? I think like you've buried the
3: lead in the biggest story of the week. Oh, And I, that all is all that, that Ian World now has a toggle for Dark Mode.
1: <laughs> oh, <yeah. Ooh. laughs> wow!
3: If you're logged into I your know, account, there's a little good. button that looks like a light bulb. If you click on it, it goes to dark mode. Yes, Wow well, mode. Yeah.
1: I, I, it would be cool if you could make the button so you could change your pack. Do you want to have a pack oh. with a light entity or a dark oh. entity? Oh, nice. And then and that would that would affect your thing. Uh, I did have, you know, and this may not be yeah. newsworthy for the main podcast, but we talked but a little bit about we this. We haven't book. covered that. So yeah, we talked about this a little go. bit before mm-hmm. the show started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you guys had heard of this. I hadn't. Yeah. Uh, I'll send Daryl the link for the show notes if it makes it into the main uh, podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, there is a, a, and this is from Dicebreaker. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dicebreaker.com is the mm-hmm. uh, article I found. And it mm-hmm. and the ha- headline is Indie Video Game Platform, Itch.io, Itch.io. Mm-hmm has given uh-huh. tabletop RBD designers a new way to thrive. Uh-huh. So, I thought it was kind of an interesting follow-up to your discussion last week. Uh-huh. Like, what? okay, once I make my book, where do I put it, mm. right? Uh-huh. And here is another venue. Now, Itch.io, uh-huh. for the past few years, I think since like 2012 or 2013, has cut off a little slice of the market for themselves uh-huh. for allowing indie video game designers uh, uh-huh. or creators a place to sell their, their product. Uh, no. And and the thing is, Itchio's uh, point of distinction from say RPG drive through or DM's Guild is you mm-hmm. set your rates. Mm-hmm. So oh. if you go to DM's Guild, they're taking fifty percent no matter what. That's just how it is. And hey, that's wow. fair. You know that you know the terms going in, and okay. you get that huge visibility platform that the DM mm-hmm. DM's Guild can offer. I think. Russ, you probably know better than I do. Well, you definitely know better than I do. drive through RPG, is it 30%? Or it depends is it on whether you're
0: exclusive with them or not. 30 or 35
1: Okay. Right? So with Itch.io, Itch.io will recommend, mm-hmm. but you set whatever you want, and they default to 10%. Mm. So okay. they'll take 10%, you take whatever. Now they're branching out, and people are starting to use it to sell tabletop rp not video game rpgs but tabletop rpgs looks like some really indie stuff mm, which is fine oh. i mean indie you know there's 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 yeah, a market for indie but yeah. when i say indie i mean indie if you go look at the, it, is. The, yeah, um, it is. yeah yeah for
2: indie, yeah, yeah. The, the sort of niche thing that i'm like okay i need something very 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 specific right A very specific design aesthetic then right. would be it's a lot a good of right it's a
3: lot of uh game jam style video games if you're familiar mm, with those it's very, yes. these are very independent yeah. when we say independent this isn't even like i was saying earlier talking about the, all these independent companies that's gonna be like digital revolt uh, um yeah. like all like all these like a and single a and double a so companies t- these are one person bashing out something in unity but, level yeah, right. small it's games like so
2: tiny um, well, it's interesting oh, that Russ looks like a publishing mogul.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> Russ is modifious compared to some of the stuff being yeah. done here. But there's a long tail. I mean, you know, yeah. it's kind of an older marketing term, but there's a long tail. Uh-huh. for A little bit adds up to a lot. Mm. So there's a lot a little yes. bit of indie that adds up to a, a fairly big space. And it's mm. interesting that you mentioned, mentioned game jams, Daryl, because mm. they're doing game jams for these indie tabletop RPGs. So oh, nice. people want to kind of get their feet wet, with tabletop RPG design they're <laughs> doing sort of a game jam thing for tabletop Ooh. RPGs uh the other distinction for itch.io if anybody wants to check it out and they spend a lot of time covering this in this article is they compare the dashboards of drive through RPG to itch.io and mm-hmm. evidently the behind the scenes dashboard experience uh-huh. it is better and that's an objective obje- I would, I would say drive through RPGs yeah.
0: hasn't really right. changed in 15 years
1: well and that's the point you know right. it, but but on the flip side they say but there's some drawbacks to Ichio because Ichio was not built from the ground up mm. to support mm. tabletop RPGs so there's a little bit of you know constraints there too mm. uh, but I just thought it was a nice add-on to and y'all's oh. discussion last week was great I mm. love that stuff. Oh, when, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, what are the rates for paying? You know, mm. that that that. Um, you've had two or three episodes where you go into the guts mm. of how the mm. RPG industry works, and I, I love that stuff. So I thought that was a great. Well, I episode, pretend I know
0: but, something about something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know we're not. So, um, yeah. So anyway, if people are looking for another venue uh, mm. to publish their work and control. Mm. The share that you receive, you might want to check out itch.io. Oh, that's pretty interesting. This is Chris Spivey from Darkity Studios, wishing you guys an excellent 100th episode, and I can't wait for the next 100 after that one. Cheers.
4: Hello, hello, hello. Lee Donovan here, long-time listener, first-time caller. Just wanted to say congratulations to Russ, Peter,
2: poor, long suffering Daryl, Shane, Hudson, and all the other contributors who have helped you reach your pod centenary. Thanks for all the news, info, and entertainment, and introducing me to loads of new games, products, and Kickstarters I would never have found otherwise. Here's to another hundred shows of hot off the press RPG news, inventive Kickstarter guesses, great guests, sketches of wildly variable quality, Russ's interesting pronunciations. Peter's unintentionally hilarious filler noises, interruptions from Hudson, and sinking
4: handclaps. Great work, team.
1: I'm Andrew Brunowski from Shoestone Publishing. Congratulations on your 100th episode.
4: It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Get the started from just the game.
0: Right, shall we play our favourite game in all the world? I
2: think we should Alright
0: then, one each, does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds yeah, good. that's good It's like, yeah. like a like a face-off Okay then, who would like to go first?
2: I shall lead the way Alright then,
0: Peter I was going sure, kind of oh, to volunteer Daryl Peter's going to lead the way Oh yeah,
2: we could volunteer
1: Daryl, but that seems cruel I'm volunteering Daryl, but okay. you've already jumped on it So, out of I have. Uh.
0: Mr. Coffee yeah? What is Wickedness
3: like, are we talking as an abstract concept, or...?
0: No, in the
1: context of role-playing game news. In, well, if you're, in, if you're in the New England, Boston area, then wickedness is cool. Wicked. That's wicked cool. No, no,
3: no, I got the reference,
0: so... Right, thanks for sharing. That's that's Thanks, Daryl. Thanks,
1: Daryl. it's a wicked pissa.
0: Yeah, it's a wicked pisser. <sighs>
1: yeah, a wicked pisser. All
0: right, anyway... You know what is wickedness? Well, according
2: to committee, it is apparently the latest uh, what's it, Bostonian, Bostonian game. Yeah. But, but it's yeah, the uh, latest Bostonian game where you play has a um, a witch living in the Boston area who wishes to deal with the fact that your sister has been crushed by. A farmhouse flying out of nowhere, possibly from Kansas, we can't really say. And in your attempt to get to the Emerald City, you're going to experience a journey of life, love, getting to know other people, solving mathematical equations um, in the local university, and thus be able to um, achieve true greatness. You left out the dog. Hmm. Uh, And your little dog too. Yeah, sure. (laughs)
0: Uh, No. No, <laughs> really? But I am so
2: sure. <laughs> what? That's a, that's, that's how could wickedness indicate anything? <laughs> else? Peter
0: was wrong. That's a good minus <laughs> one thousand points. I think. Uh, uh, how could it be anything other Let's than? Let's see a who mix,
2: can get the most negative. <laughs> the mix between Goodwill Hunting and the <laughs> okay. Wicked witch, uh, and uh, the Wizard of Oz. Sorry. How could it be anything other than that? I have no I, idea. Would you, would you like I'm, to know I'm what it gobsmacked is? Gobsmacked. Mind blown.
0: Or should or really, we just move on? We don't need to know what it is. No, but <laughs> <No, no, no, laughs> well, the it is.
2: creators... It might be cooler. It is
0: cool. It's a fantasy RPG yes. about the resilience and power of the queer community. You form a coven between three mystical archetypes and try to keep your world of magic and mystery in balance with the mundane world in spite of its ignorance, poverty and violence.
2: So the wizard's Voz was pretty on on point then,
1: well, ish. No, okay,
2: fair enough. All right,
1: so an exciting negative one
2: thousand.
0: Okay, Woo-hoo. who would like
1: to go you know,
2: next? I only record my scores in the modulus, so it's
1: absolutely <laughs> fine. I I bravely volunteered. Oh, <laughs> and right, then Daryl.
0: All right, you have been oh, volunteered.
1: Oh, right. <laughs>
0: okay. Your one is this. What is skull diggers?
3: Oh, uh, let's see. That sounds like it would be a role playing game that's focused on necromancy in some way, shape, or form. Uh, probably the party is involved with the necromancy. I'm gonna say OSR game. Um, either an adventure or a campaign setting where you're digging up bodies and doing things with them.
2: Hmm. Ah, trepanation.
0: <laughs> So, what it is, it's an original system. It's a tabletop horror RPG. And you have to defend your village from eldritch invaders while also protecting yourself from your village. It's an RPG built around the horror of dungeon diving as a profession. Hmm. So it's yeah. kind it has, of
3: Darkest Dungeons vibe. Dark yeah. Yeah. Well, it has three yeah.
0: core premises. One, you are not heroes. You are outcast, doing your best to survive in a cruel world, and your village does not love you. I remember seeing this one now. (laughs) Uh, Two, you are not invaders or tomb robbers. (laughs) No, the dungeons are invading your home instead. And three, you are not defined solely by how you fight, like you are in Dungeons & Dragons. You are a citizen, an explorer, or a warrior.
2: In Soviet Skultikas, dungeons invade you.
1: Yes, yes, in Soviet village. Uh, so, so it, is it powered by the apocalypse? Original, yep, system. original. Yeah. original system. Okay, said so that. All right. Ooh, I'm just giddy to hear the score. Uh, what did what did you say? Uh, I, I said. OSR,
3: said OSR, I said OSR campaign <laughs> setting focused on necromancy. All
1: oh, right.
0: Well, it's not OSR. It was a heavy. It's yeah, not a campaign was, uh, setting. It's not really focused on necromancy either. Despite mm-hmm. the word "skull" in the in the title, so unfortunately, you also have minus one thousand points, yeah. and an exciting negative five hit points wow. down. So that means Shane. <laughs> I hope that
1: I hope that I can I hope that I can uh, exceed their. All you have to do of, is beat uh,
0: minus one thousand points.
1: Well, I mean, but I'm I'm looking to go the deepest, so I'm I'm hoping that I can exceed their their. You want to points. lose the worst. Or yes. lose the best, Yes, the sir. Case may be. Yes. Lose
0: Yes.
2: yes, yes. Sir. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, then. I believe in you, Shane. Okay, then. You can let do we this. Find, let
0: me <laughs> find the most difficult one, then. Um, I think it's going to have to be... Okay. I may or may not pronounce this correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just give it your I feel on the spot now. <laughs> Ekphrastic beasts, E K P H R A S T I C.
2: Okay,
1: So Greek? Is it good? So, in a in a lovely home in Victorian England, I think it's Victorian England. There is a uh, a father who's too busy with his work. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And and a mother who's having trouble controlling the children. The children are beasts, and uh, and the, and the servants are just at the end of the, of the at the end of their wits. And a a witch arrives on an umbrella uh, to to help control the children and teach them life stories and get the entire family under control. And exfractic is a magical word that she sings to uh, to teach. Uh, the the children and they go on amazing animated adventures and and, and things like that. And exfractic is is her special word that uh, is quite precocious.
0: Yes, correct. Yes,
3: in your <laughs> face, guys.
0: <laughs> no, it's. <not. laughs> <laughs> if it had been no that would have been
2: amazing <laughs> But you'd have gotten you're, that thing his his answer wasn't super fragileistic it's <laughs> yeah. correct yeah Man, it was a sorry, It's
0: it'secractic it's <laughs> so its a full color fantasy art book ah, uh yeah. a compendium of creatures for d and d fifth edition mm-hmm. Uh, and a, uh, Rather than revisit known fantasy tropes, we begin with four established illustrators, each creating striking, startling original artworks straight from the abyssal depths of the subconscious. Each is then given to our author to reverse-engineer creature names, backstories, and stats for them, oh. the result being an artist-created compendium of stunningly illustrated creatures.
2: Would you say the... Um- illustrations are vivid or dramatic?
0: Um, let me pull the illustrations up. I would say they are. Um,
1: I mean, well, I, it's really weird because that was my first instinct to go with exactly that. And then at the last second, I changed over to, to my interpretation. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, they're weird. Is what I
1: would say. Mm. Yeah. So, what what is exfractic? Is that like they came up with their own uh, word? I don't know. Or what is exfractic? No. Is that an oh, word? It's, uh, it's exfrastic.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't know it, but I, I had a quick Google. It uh, comes from the Greek for the description of a work of art. Produces a rhetorical exercise, uh, often. There you go. A, a vivid, often dramatic verbal description of a visual work of art, either
1: real or imagined. I bet you that that famed Greek. Uh, philosopher Socrates came up with that. Socrates, mm, yeah, seems like me. Yeah,
0: Socrates, and his friend
1: Diogenes. Well, think, uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to Bill and Ted. I'm all about. While well, <laughs> was chained,
2: well, I was chained to the wall by uh, that Arksville and Plateau. You
3: <laughs> know, it's times like these I'm reminded of the famous words of Socrates when he said, "I drink what."
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so, okay. uh, so, um, so, Shane, I was going to give you uh, minus one thousand and one points. Yeah. Which, uh, which <laughs> a big grin comes across his face. But <laughs> because you uh, slipped in that bit of information at the end that you were originally going to guess that, oh, I've decided cool. to Aww. take <laughs> you at your word. <laughs> And I've decided to uh, give you back two of those points. So you actually have minus 999. Oh, making no! you, no! Making you no!
3: the clear
0: winner this week. Come on! <laughs> you only have yourself to blame.
1: Always shut up while you're ahead, stats. <laughs>
0: Or while you're behind, in case maybe.
1: <laughs> well, what it was, you just gave me extra points for my fabulous collar, <laughs> my Minga merciless mm-hmm. collar. That's right. Oh
2: dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Greetings, Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. I wanted to take a moment and congratulate you on your 100th episode of the podcast that aims to amuse and enthuse. See, I have a 40-minute drive to work, and your podcast makes the drive so much more entertaining with the banter, the news, and the interviews. Keep up the good work, and here's to 100 more episodes. Cheers.
4: Congratulations to Morris, Peter, and Daryl for reaching 100 podcasts plus the Session Zero, which I still haven't had time to listen to yet. I've been an avid listener since episode 13, back in the pre theme tune days. I enjoy my weekly dose of RPG news, as it has opened up a whole world of different RPGs other than my beloved D&D. Some other podcasts are ever so serious, but Morris and Peter have just the right level of merry banter to keep things interesting. The podcast has matured into the mighty oak it is now, attracting some really top-notch guests. I'm still enjoying the sketches each week. Okay, some are a little bit iffy, but definitely something to look forward to. Malak is sadly less frequent than I'd like, but I enjoy his appearances at the start and end of the show. Special thanks to Daryl for the really excellent sound work. Uh, anyone who isn't a patron already should get over there now and listen to the extra content, which is a real treat. So, thanks very much, and more Malak the Maleficent for a better tomorrow.
2: Okay guys, you stumbled across a nest of dire kobolds. They think you're eyeing their tribal totem. Time for initiative! Ah, no, no, sorry, sorry. No dice needed. I have come up with a revolutionary new way to handle initiative. Oh no, what he said.
3: This better not be like the time you determine initiative based on the mathematical computation of our circadian rhythms factored against the
2: Julian date. No, 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 no. nothing so eccentric. I do love to think of game mechanics, but I do want to keep it reasonable. Since when? Here, just look at these. Are those... buzzers? Yes, it's time for... Quiz Show Initiative. Here, everyone, take a buzzer. Can we just do the circadian
3: rhythm thing again?
2: <laughs> you kidder. Okay, I see everyone has a buzzer. Let's get started. At the end of the game, initiative ranking will be based on your quiz show score. Unbelievable. I know, right? Too much fun. Okay, first question. There's an easy one, contestants. Who co-created Dungeons and Dragons? That was close, but I think contestant number two made it by a whisker. Well, contestant number two?
1: We don't know who's who. Shouldn't we go by our character names? Oh, yeah, good point. Um, Contestant Flabgar.
0: Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax. That's right! First point on the board.
2: Okay, the questions will increase in difficulty as we go on. Next question. What year was D&D first published? (laughs) Contestant Shadow the Mysterious Ranger. 1974. You are correct! It seems Flavgar has competition. Next question. What were the classes available in original D&D, now often referred to as OD&D? <laughs> Contestant Dreadfirst!
3: Fighter, magic user, cleric.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. No points scored, and you also entered combat five hit points down.
3: Wait, Wait, what? Wait, you, you didn't mention that when we started?
2: Uh quiz shows are full of unexpected and exciting fun. Anyone else want to try? What were the classes available in original D&D, now often referred to as OD&D?
0: <laughs> contestant Flapgar! Fighting Man, magic user and cleric. Correct! The Fighting Man, not
2: fighter. That distinction throws a lot of people off. Right, Contestant Dreyfus? ha ha! The scoreboard so far. Contestant Flapgar has two points. Contestant Shadow the Mysterious Ranger has one point. And Contestant Dreadface will face the Dark Obel's exciting five hit points down. They're really giving him the eye. Okay, next question contestants. What classes can Elf be in the basic edition of D&D first released in 1979?
1: Contestant Shadow the Mysterious Ranger... Yeah, it's, it's a trick question. Demi-humans, including elves, are classes, not races, in Basic d
2: Congratulations, contestants Shadow the Mysterious Ranger. You successfully answered the trick question of the day. That's two more points. Plus, you enter combat with an extra five hit points. Okay, contestants, it's the final question in this round of Quiz Show Initiative. Which 1963 movie starring Vincent Price and Boris Karloff Inspired the magic missile spell. Contestant Dreadfist! Raven. What? That's right! I'm sorry, Contestant Dreadfist. That's another 5 hit points off your maximum going into battle for an exciting total of 10 hit points down. Do not believe this! Contestant Shadow, the mysterious ranger. The Raven. Yes, that's correct. Contestant Dreadfist was so close but didn't provide the full title. Look, I believe he's struggling to
1: express how much he appreciates the fairness of these rules. What a good sport. You know, it's really rare to seem that energized. Okay, contestants. That's it for this
2: round of Quiz Show Initiative. Our final scores are Contestant Shadow, Mysterious Ranger with four points plus an extra five hit points. Contestant Flabgar with two points and Contestant Redfist, with a super exciting not one, not two, but ten hit points down. Okay, that's also our initiative order. Let's start combat.
3: So how are we going to handle this, a magic eight ball?
2: No, just dice. What, do you think I'm some kind of weirdo or something?
4: Hi, Russ and Peter. It's Richard from the D20 Future Show. Congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. And thank you so much, Russ, for being available to be interviewed so many times and being such a wonderful guest whenever you have been. Thanks for all the information, for all the news, for all the fun, and thanks for all of the titles of Kickstarters that turn out to be supplements for 5th edition and not original systems of their own. It's been amazing. What an achievement. Congratulations, guys. Just one piece of feedback, though. Uh, Dial it down on the news. You do quite a lot of news. Not everyone just wants to hear about RPG news. All right, thanks. Hi, I'm Matt Quirley from Saturday Morning Scenarios.
1: I'm Mike Myler from Ian Publishing, Legendary Games, Storm Bunny Studios, and Rogue Genius Games. Hello, my name is Sean, aka Mallow, aka Sean from Identico, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial Table Talk RPG Talk. Okay, so we each have a topic. Uh-huh. Who would like to start? I'll. I i do not mind starting since Whoop, I've been volunteering. Get that oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. I Mr. Stux. You may start. It ties in. It ties in nicely to the hundredth episode. So, so what I did, uh-huh. thinking about the hundredth episode, uh, I was like, you know what? What D one hundred systems are there out there? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and so I yeah. and I played a few here and there. Yeah, and so I wanted to see you know find ones that maybe were well known and, and not so well known, <laughs> but I'll tell you what I ran into that I was not mm. expecting. Oh, and I will I will list uh, some of the D100 games that are out there, and I'll also mention my favorite fumble result in all the world ever that came off of a D100 random table. But I was surprised to find uh-huh. a very vigorous debate. Among people that don't like D one hundred and people that do. I, I was not expecting that I, I knew it would be out there because gamers like to debate stuff, right? Yeah. But there's there's a pretty hefty portion of the RPG community, I would say, that dislikes D one hundred systems. And I was uh, not so expecting I find, to I find that.
0: I find that I struggle with that as a concept that you could just like dislike a dice.
2: Yeah. Well, no, people dislike D twenty. And yeah. I'm very vocal about it. So I
1: guess they would also. Uh, yeah. it had. I don't. You know, the the summary of the arguments was that uh, the people that argue for D one hundred say basically it's it's as precise as you can get. Right, one to one hundred, mm-hmm. you can get as granular as you want.
0: So what I what I like about D one hundred is that it feels different. So in the games I've played D one hundred, like uh, it, I I played FASA Star Trek back in the eighties, right. That's all. That's and on the list. Ding, system. Ding, ding, just ding. suits that game. It just feels right because right. because it's a mm. game that's sort of broadly around exploration and science and space and science fiction and, and stuff like that. A, a percentile system fits the theme well, and it just helps. I think mm. it just has that extra little bit that helps tip you over into the immersiveness of the game.
1: Well, it you know the main argument for it, and I do agree that different settings and flavors of games that the, the mechanical system can suit it better. And with with most people that argue for a d100 system, it's just very mm-hmm. precise. You know, if you're like uh-huh. you have a 17% chance of success, that's hard to replicate on a d20. Oh, that's right? True. Because for every every face on a d20, yeah. that's a 5% chance. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, uh, so so games that that want to be more precise and more granular and and like you know, okay, it's a seventeen percent chance. It's just that's just real easy to do on a D one hundred. Yeah, sure. uh, they all you know. It also fits. You can have bigger random tables and and all of that stuff. So for me, it's it is it like yeah, that works. It's just real easy to understand. Uh, but there, I, I you know, and we we're doing roughly ten minutes each, so I don't have time to go into that. That could be a whole show, really. People debating the merits of the system. Uh, Mm Um, but yeah, there's a surprising amount of people out there that just dislike not, Mm -hmm. not deep percentile dice in general, but an entire system built Mm -hmm. around percentile dice, Mm -hmm. which I wasn't expecting to find that.
3: My only issue I've ever had with them is most of the D100 systems tend to be roll under systems. Like the target number Mm is 65%. So you have to roll a 65 or lower. And it just, it's Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. um, enough to me to to go roll and go, yes, I got a one. That's, that right. feels
2: that
1: wrong is, to me. Well, I mean, it, to me, it should be fairly easy to flip that and, and rig the system so it's a rollover. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I haven't gone through the exercise. Uh, so here are some, uh, of course, the the big granddaddy or grand entity, if you will, of uh, percentile systems. I'm sh- Maybe there were some before this, but the big one that got published and that everybody knows is RuneQuest. And that had a uh, not only were all of your statistics, you know, and, and I'm, I'm just roughly strength decks, whatever they were using on a one to one zero to one or one to one hundred or whatever. But you're, it, it also was one of the first games to introduce a skill based system. And that was also based on and that was a long time ago when RuneQuest came out for a while. RuneQuest was the I think the second best selling RPG behind D&D and, you know, when it came out, which was what, late 70s early 80s, and of course, uh, it's really well known, and I think RuneQuest is about to have a new edition, if, if, if I remember correctly, or just did. Uh, and and out of RuneQuest, uh, Chaosium, who published RuneQuest, developed BRP, which is the Basic role-playing System. And uh, that was derived from RuneQuest, and it became their sort of generic system, like GURPS, or whatever, you could put any system you want on top of it, and out of that came, of course, Call of Cthulhu, uh, which, which is a D-100-based system. So, uh, those are two, two of the bigger, I would mm-hmm. say, D-100-based systems that people are probably familiar with. Okay, so also one of the bigger early uh, D-100 systems was uh, Rollmaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and out of that came, they, they, they did sort of a scaled-down version of that which became Middle Earth role-playing, or MURP, which is one of my favorite role-playing games. Oh. I, you know, I, I, I like
0: Merp, too.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I love MURP a lot. And speaking of MURP, that leads into my favorite fumble of all time, which came out of Merp, uh-huh. and it's on the fumble and failures table. Uh-huh. If you roll a 97 through 99, you get the best fumble result that's ever been written in the history of books. Tell us Ryan, what is that? And it is... And I quote, stumble over an unseen imaginary deceased turtle. <laughs> I'll say that again. Stumble over an unseen imaginary deceased turtle. You are very confused. Stunned three rounds. So, there you go. Uh, 91 and 96 would be unbelievable mishandling of your weapon. Uh-huh. Uh, 90 would be bad taste and poor execution. You attempt mm-hmm. to maim yourself as your weapon breaks. So, uh, mm-hmm. Role and Merp are kind of famous for their Critical mm-hmm. tables because they just yeah. have a lot of lot of lot of fun to them. So, uh, some some D one hundred games that are that are people are playing now that a lot of people might not know about. Uh, and I think <laughs> I think these are all BRP based that basic mm-hmm. role playing.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, there's one called Mithras that seems uh, pretty popular. And there's also there's a there's a range of supplements called the Mythic Earth. And I'm not sure if that's a separate game or if that's just supplements for Mithras. And then Legend, there's a there's a game out there called Legend that seems to be kind of popular based on the the BRP. So if people want to play something that's a little bit le- less well-known, using the BRP, which mm-hmm. is the basic role-playing system from Chasm. Okay, real quick, here's some other games that got mentioned. I haven't had a chance to go verify all this, so Grain okay. of Salt. You know, if you guys get people writing and say, no, 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 that was a, then, you know, Grain of Salt. Uh, the third edition of Gamble World was evidently oh. D100. Star Frontiers was D100. I totally forgot that. I even have Star Frontiers sitting over <laughs> here, and that was one of my first games back in the day. Boot Hill. That's, you know, arguably, other than Deadlands, the most famous cowboy shoot-em-up uh, RPG, right? Uh, Gangbusters, Busters, another favorite of mine. I think, Russ, this is one of your favorites, but I could be wrong. Top Secret? Uh, I've are never you, played Are that, you a Top right? Secret? Who was it? Somebody, I, I thought I was thinking you were the top secret person. Huh? Not you? All right. Well, so no. top secret was the espionage mm-hmm. game that was basically James Bond without the James Bond license, right? So uh, top secret, and that was from TSR, Marvel superheroes with a phase rip system. Mm. That's a D100. Uh, that's also a very straightforward, easy to use system if you're wanting to introduce kids. Adventures of Indiana Jones role-playing game. Star Trek, the role-playing game, which uh, Russ brought up uh space master i guess that was the science fiction version of role master that i'm not familiar with there's a game called harp is anybody familiar with that i'm not familiar all, with harp h-a-r-p yeah. okay oh. uh twilight imperium the role-playing game Great. uh ring world ring world was evidently 100. not every version but several versions of warhammer fantasy role Play used oh. at least full-on d100 or elements of d1 yeah.
4: 100
1: dark heresy Deathwatch, rogue trader uh, black yeah. crusade only war and then finally a game that is obviously of inferior quality uh, compared to a new version or a new game using the ip uh games workshops judged red well game was evidently do you want it was no, ever really yeah, yeah it's, and it's not right it's there your, yeah and it's <laughs> yeah it's not in your title <laughs> <Is> it's <beyond laughs> <sports? laughs> <laughs> not right there we can indiana jones no. and BattleTech. <laughs> Yeah, So. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I know we were trying to limit this to ten minutes, and we could go deeper on that, but I'll I'll put a bow on it, and I'll just say again, my favorite crit ever written by man, and I don't believe it'll ever be succeeded was or you know exceeded is stumble over an unseen imaginary deceased turtle. You are very confused. sun three rounds.
0: That happens
1: to me all the time. Let's yep, be done. Yeah. Yeah, just I mean why is it yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah. that's me done. Alright.
0: Let's go with you next Peter. Uh... <laughs> 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 what was your topic? What was my topic?
2: Oh yes, I wanted to talk how awesome role playing games are and how much people look forward to them. How they add like a little extra bit of structure to your day. Um how it just gives you something to look forward to because it's like, you know, you get to a day and you're thinking ah oh, every day feels like it's the same like it's stretching out in one long interminable unbroken stretch of monotony and you're like but wait it is almost time for role playing and it gives you something to get up for something to say yeah you know what i've got this coming for you so yeah having a bit of routine having something where you actually get to interact with people talk to people and say hey that was awesome where you can escape from the humdrum, humdrum and everyday mundane try out things that you would never try in person but do things like you know just because that's what your character would do and be someone else i think that is a really powerful exercise in agency and being someone else
0: and, and that's especially about, now that when we're in lockdown and there's a lot of other things we can't do whereas yes. role-playing is something that is super suited to you know Zoom yeah. meetings and Skype meetings And all the oh, different yeah, tools yeah. and things that you could use You, you,
2: can, yeah, you, can, you can get out you get, you get that touch with other people Who do not live in your house And that's pretty good hmm.
0: It also helps I with know. the poll
3: Okay, what day of the week is it? Okay, it's two days to D&D night So yeah. that means it's yeah. That's pre- that's pretty much what it's like it, it, it You've <laughs> got, t- you got kind of a touchstone That you can actually do backwards yes. from
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting uh, When you know Peter was thinking that he might Bring up like mental health or whatever related to gaming. One thing I've noticed that it's become blazingly apparent to me is the reasons that now there's always been exceptions. Okay. I'm generalizing, but sometimes you have to generalize to make a point. The reasons people play role-playing games now have much more variety than why people used to play role-playing games. For the most part, it was just, Escapism, it was, you know, power fantasy. Let's go dungeon crawl and kill some, you know, uh, rust monsters or whatever. And, uh, you know, it was just level up. Let's see, can we beat the dungeon? yeah And then, you know, you introduce wilderness, but it, but it still mainly were, uh, be, was a escapist. And hmm. depending on your age, like when I was 12, 13, I was playing RPGs as a power hmm. fantasy. Hmm. How, how powerful can I get my guy? You know, yeah. um, and I was min maxing and all that, but now there's so many people that play RPGs for they're trying to learn about other people. Um, they're trying to broaden their mind. You, you be, uh, y'all have had several guests on that one of the main goals was to like put people in the shoes of somebody they know, you know, to learn more about mm-hmm. things. Uh, mental health. I mean, there's literally people playing RPGs for therapy. People, people are looking to get different things out of RPGs these days that it's just interesting to watch the hobby change over time as new generations and new generations. Cause every time a new generation comes along, they iterate on what's mm-hmm. been in the past. And, and so it's, you know, I'm, I, I will probably almost always, except if it's a one shot, or to because I love I'm system promiscuous, I learned to love new systems, I learn I like to do one shots and run one shots. But for my weekly gaming, it's I'm just straight up you know, it, it's just escapism fantasy, you know. Uh, but it's interesting to watch what newer generations of gamers are making out of the hobby.
0: Okay, that leaves me and Daryl who shall go first? I think
3: you should. I volunteered, Daryl. I was going to say, uh, there's actually a little <laughs> bit of a segue there going to learning new systems, because oh. that's what you wanted to talk
0: about, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah, that's true. Well, as you can see from the shelf behind me, I have a small number of tabletop art role playing games collected throughout the years. I also have a dog under my feet. Come over here. That's all related to the it right. Right. It's no. No. So now you're awake. Okay um And I think Peter, you've mentioned a few times that sometimes it's hard to get people at your club to play something other than D and D. They're only really pretty enthusiastic, but sometimes I get people who wander in and I'll say,
2: "I want to play D and D." And like, do you mean role playing games, or mm. do you mean D and D's of the fifth edition specifically? Because yeah. it does seem to be an important. Well, D and D is
0: obviously the big, big, big game at the moment, and has been for mm. most of the last 40 years. There's been a couple of times when it wasn't the top dog, but pretty much for the last 40 years, d d has been the major game. And with that comes this sort of... Um, I think uh, Ryan Dancy used to call it network externalities or something like that. But basically, the more people who play your game, the unlike other products, like uh, for a, a social game, the more people that play the game, the better the game gets and more attractive the game becomes. Because one of its... Um, Uh, One of its qualities is Mm. being able to find and play with other human beings. That's true. So a game's popular, like, you know, unlike, I don't know, say food or um, just like art or something like that, which you can enjoy on your own, and uh, its quality isn't defined by its popularity. For role-playing games, its popularity is one of the qualities that makes it good. Because the more popular it is, the more Ooh. the bigger the you know player base, and the more diverse the player base, and you know the more the more gaming you can do. Quite frankly,
1: mm. you
0: don't need you don't need you know a certain chocolate bar to be popular for you to for you to go and eat one.
1: Right, because it's going to be the chocolate yeah. bar no matter so, what. So,
0: so D and D is obviously by far the most popular game,
1: and you know it's a
0: really really good game. It's um, I don't know if it's the best iteration of D and D, but it's definitely the most suited um, for sort of on onboarding onboarding. That's the word, isn't it? That, that corporate <laughs> word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Onboarding, on mm-hmm. yeah. on yeah. onboarding, yeah. bringing new people in, on ramping, on onboarding new
2: Don't say don't say
1: rail don't say Boy, you'll get some reviews.
2: It's very
0: well designed for that, and it's very well pitched at the right level of crunch. To make it easy to stream, which has also helped make mm-hmm. it really, really popular. So, where I, so where I'm yeah. going with this is, are you going I am to going somewhere this? with this. Um, really? Well, I enjoy it. There are lots and lots and lots <laughs> of other games, and they are yeah. largely brilliant. I mean, some of them aren't, but most of them. I mean, yeah. the ones I've written are amazing. But you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's come to the point. Play more of Russ's
2: games, people. Yeah, why aren't you playing Joe Shred and Worlds Two Thousand AD right now? Well I mean, yeah. if you look at that shelf yeah. behind me, I've got yeah. DC
0: heroes there. I've got um, uh, yeah. Star Trek there. I've got old D and old D D, obviously. Um, I've yeah. got Warhammer. I've got yeah, also all sorts of stuff, stuff like that. Doctor Who, yeah. DC heroes, and yeah. different role playing games stuff. give you different experiences. And I know, I know. Mm. Um, a lot of people will say, you can pretty much mimic any genre of D&D. And yeah, you can, approximately. But a game designed specifically for a genre will give you a different experience than adapting D&D for that genre. Because the mechanics of D&D, you know, are, are built around a certain feel and style of play. And the mechanics of other games reward and incentivize and, you know, create different... You know, like a game of Jenga feels different to a game of chess so you kind of, Yeah,
1: right yeah, But they're both yeah. games um, right. yeah, The mechanics of a game, I mean, the rules falling. of a
0: game and the, and the way the game's set up Creates a different feeling of a game
3: Which well, all you have to do is really look at Different games that have had the same license Western game Star Wars Versus the D20 Star Wars Versus mm. the Fantasy Flight Star Wars Each mm. one has its own feel Its own uh, Yeah, It brought Whoa. certain things to the forefront yeah. of the game Through its mechanics
0: Yeah so D and D is very high fantasy heroic gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can I get agree. much more gritty games. You can get darker games. You can get lighter games. You can get games with more crunch. You can get games with a lot less crunch. And one of the one of the main reasons I tend to see that people don't play other games is that they say they haven't got the time or the inclination to learn another rule set.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think that kind of is a. You know, it's a shame, slightly, a shame, because really. learning another rule set. I mean, in some cases, it that can require time and energy and effort. A lot of cases, especially for rules like games, it doesn't really. Especially if you've got a GM yeah. who's, you know, a lot the complaint is often from a GM: "I've got this game, I want to run it, I can't find any players." That's that's uh, the usual yeah. scenario you have. So the GM knows how to play yeah. it. So it's not like <clears> everybody has to learn it together. You've got someone there who's willing to basically. Guide you into the game and uh, try and help make it as easy as possible, and they, they know how to play it. So when you yeah. when you've got that situation, right? I just want to say I would encourage people to just take the opportunity and try a different game. Uh, Even yeah. if you don't like the different game, that's fine. But but just keep right, it going because what have you got to lose? You not know, I mean, I okay. I've been at conventions, I've introduced people to games, and uh, it's been a one hour slot. And in that time, we've introduced each other, I've introduced the basic mechanics of someone, and we've played a short adventure. And yeah. these were people who had no idea how to play that game before they sat down at that convention table on the convention floor. Yeah. So if you've yeah. got a GM there that's willing to... that's already done the heavy work of buying a game, getting into it, getting enthusiastic about it, and reading it, and learning yeah. the rules, that's... most of the effort's been made for you. All you've got to do is sit down there and just take that GM's cue... Yeah and just enjoy yourself
1: yeah yeah i agree with that i, I think that I, I i see it i mean i'm biased I, I i'm already biased in your direction russ because i i'm i'm one of those gamers that i used to buy games knowing i'd probably mm. never get to play it but i wanted to see how the yeah, system was so
0: many games i've, um, bought, I've read and then just put back on the shelf right. with a wistful sigh knowing i'll never never get a chance to play yeah it, you yeah. never get to run it
1: yeah so uh, and then I thought Daryl's example of Star Wars was an mm. excellent example here because it's it's a well-known IP. Most people already know Star Wars when they sit down, uh, but how's it going to feel when you play it? And, and it's had several different systems that are wildly mm. different from each other. So like me personally, if I play Star Wars, I want to play either the original West End games or I want to play the D20 based one. I, you know, I never played yeah. the Decipher. I'm playing the new Star Wars, but only because my yeah. friends are playing it. I think it, so D20 suits social. Star Wars,
0: mm-hmm. because it, cause Star Wars is it, very it, much heroic fantasy in space, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it also it depends is, on the story uh, you wanted to tell, because but
3: like, D20 system's really good at zero-to-hero type yeah, play, where you're yeah. getting... But if you're wanting to play more of, like, the um, X-Wing Squadron-style game, or something where you're not really right. good, you're already heroes, you're already champions of the rebellion... In that, then uh, something like Western uh, right. games or Fantasy Flight's work or Smugglers' type uh, games,
1: right? Well, and that's saying Fantasy Flight, in my opinion, is has very rich space flight, space combat rules, um, huh. but it it's but its ground combat does not feel like Star Trek and I mean Star Wars. And I'll see what I'm, a a squad of stormtroopers in the Fantasy Flight games is mm. deadly. And that is not Star Wars, you know. So it's it's just very. Crunchy I think you're supposed to me. believe it is Star uh, Wars yeah.
0: off the edge of the screen because they people talk guess, about stormtroopers yeah, like yeah. they're scary. It's just that when stormtroopers yeah. come up against the heroes of the story, they suddenly be lose that right. ability.
1: I would just say because I know we're trying to keep this short for each segment. My my statement on this would be this: if you want to be just a D and D player, and here in the South, you know, Daryl is South of America, Daryl. Uh so wait, when people walk in and say, uh you want a Coke? You say, Yeah, well, what Dr. kind of Pepper. Coke do you want? Coke is yeah, yeah. Coke is generic. So D D for a lot of people is generic for yeah. What like, are you doing this weekend? Playing D&D? what
3: game? Shadowrun. Run. Yeah. 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 yeah, Shadowrun. So uh
1: yeah. so what I would if people are playing D D and that's all they want to do, they don't consider themselves RPG gamers, they just consider themselves yeah, I play yeah, D D, yeah. fine. But mm-hmm. if you consider yourself in the hobby, and I would oh. encourage playing different games because it's like playing different character types in D&D. When you break out of your comfort zone, you become a better well, it's player. It's
0: not even about being better or worse. It's just about it will be fun and you'll enjoy it, is what I'm trying to say. Or, or hopefully you'll enjoy it. Okay,
1: fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you, you get more experience, you get more exposure to the hobby. And there. as much as I love d and I think 5e is a great system. I love running anytime there's like a game day or conventions. I always run one shots of other mm. systems, one so I get to play them and two to expose yeah. other people. And I people mean, almost that always give the game from
0: Free League. It's just amazing. And I just wish people would play right. it and try out that stress mechanic and realise how cool it is and how it plays how cool into it how the yeah. game runs and how you feel playing that game well, you're sitting at the table. You can um, also borrow is,
1: mechanics. Like, you, if you go back to playing D&D forever, oh yeah, just yeah, you borrow totally the stress can. mechanic. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Actually, we did we did an episode once on mechanics you can steal from other games, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, that was quite good. No, I'd definitely add that stress mechanic if I didn't mention it at the time. I can't remember when we did the episode. <laughs> you, <laughs> no, that, was way, before, the, that, the that was way, RPG. way before the Alien RPG yeah, probably, was out. Probably, probably. Yeah,
1: uh, well, they... You know, another thing is in my in my experience, if you have a good GM, learning a new system takes about as much mental energy as playing a new video yeah. game. I mean, you got you know you've got to learn the UI and you got. To, but I mean, it's so, not, it depends on the it's system. It's not as
0: hard as people so, think. How well written the system yeah. is and how elegant it is. Some systems you will honestly pick up in five minutes. Right.
4: For, well, like all, most systems. I mean, you know, all you really need stuff, to do to sit
0: down and start playing is yeah. know what the core mechanic is, especially if there's some pre-generated right. characters for you. Because the character generation, I think, Uh is one of the heaviest loads that a new player is going to have. So don't start them off with character generation. Start them off with pre-generated characters and give them the core rule. And the core rule of 90% of systems is very simple. It's usually roll a dice and add something else and beat a target, or roll roll a number of dice and get that many sixes or something, but... You, you know, you, you'll be able to pick that up
3: really quickly. Now, going back to the character creation, one thing that I always do when I'm introducing people to a new system is instead of doing character creation or even walking them through it, I'll just say, what kind of character do you want to play? And then ask them questions about it. Then I go make their character and bring it back. Oh, oh. And mm. with the yeah. with the caveat, okay, this is this is what I made based on what you said. As soon as you start getting a feel for the system, we can start swapping numbers around and chain, mm. bump this skill, lower this skill, get rid of this attribute, whatever.
0: Mm.
1: Well, you're also asking people, if you have them create a character, you're asking them to invest, you know, without really knowing if they like Mm. this system or not. (laughs) You know, so pre-gens yeah. are very. I mean, I I always do pre Plus, the game I'm usually trying to introduce people to a
3: shadow run, which has notoriously long character yeah.
2: creation process.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: uh, those glorious uh, sessions well, of character generation. Anyway,
0: yeah. anyway, anyway, we with, uh, we are down anyway, to the last yeah, thirteen to that, minutes right. before uh before Peter has to leave. So let's let's and we got we still got, have switch over yeah. to Daryl, who I believe you wanted to talk about the D and D movie.
3: This whole thing started because I said on Twitter, it's like I'm editing the episode and I'm just like, I wish I was on the show because the D&D movie is kind of weird oh. to try to describe to people what's going on with it. Because mm. oh. there three different film studios have been involved with two different directors, well, three different directors attached, four different screenwriters that I'm aware of. <laughs> and several different executive producers over the past, and this is just the recent movie that they've been kicking around in pre-production since about 2013. And it's all because of various rights issues and everything, but there's basically two D&D movies that have been pushed forward so far. One is the one that everyone keeps talking about, the D&D movie. That is Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast making a deal with um, originally it was Paramount and then it was, uh, I believe it's now currently with Sony was the last thing um i don't know that was what we covered last week but anyway it is so complicated trying to follow this thing but that is the main DD (laughs) movie that's the one that's currently being directed by the guys who wrote uh spider um spider-man uh homecoming Mm
1: -hmm. homecoming homecoming okay yeah yeah and it's got a a marvel the marvel executive producer uh, is uh, has
3: a what's called a first look deal which is usually done the other way around where the producer gets first look there's been two movies that have been in development and a lot of people have been confusing the two because they're thinking there's just the D D movie the other mm. one is the one that joe mangliello there's two movies. well the, joe mangliello has been what? trying to get a Dragonlance movie made
1: right Which is the one i want that's, that's the one i want. want oh yeah he
3: has a script made that he's um written with a screenwriter and has gotten margaret weiss's um, blessing on and that's the one that he uh-huh. has been pushing to get made and that's because yeah, the, like, he's,
0: he's posted pictures of the script, hasn't he? And yes.
1: Was, yeah, he's teased that there's a Dragons yeah. of Autumn Twilight script. I'll. I'll this goes I'll, ba- go ahead, all the Derek. way back to
0: uh,
3: this movie. Uh, the rights issues on it is uh, really weird. Do you remember the saga? I, I talked about this in my Dragonlance video today, but do you remember the saga system that they had for um, Dragonlance, where they made the Fifth Age? Mm, that was done. Right. To separate the Dragonlance film rights from Dungeons and Dragons because when they signed it over to the original producer, it was yeah. for all Dungeons and Dragons properties. Sure. And then they realized, oh, oh crap, Dragonlance is still on the New York Times bestseller list. We can't have that. Fifth Age. This mm. is no longer a DD oh. game, so it's not part of the film license anymore. This is a- So now those are two separate things. So that's why Joe Mangliello is trying to do his. Uh, Dragonlance thing which is completely separate from the Warner Brothers thing Uh, I'm sorry, which is completely separate from the Paramount thing which is completely separate from Courtney Solomon, the director and producer of this has been trying to was trying to make his own movie with Warner Brothers.
1: Well, here's my main question. I just want to know is the the one that has the Marvel people attached, will Snails be in it? Because if Snails isn't in the movie, then by no, goodness. but curr- okay. well, currently care.
3: what's been leaked about the script on that one is it comes across very, very, um, more in the style of the D&D cartoon than the original d movie. It looks very, this is the sort of game that you played when you were 13 years old in your friend's bedroom for the first time and you're playing D&D, like characters mm. like awesome, <laughs> well, make badass kind of characters' names and Right, I think very, the very, with, very right, on the at nose. one time, I think
0: one of the problems with the idea of a D and D movie is that D and D isn't a story; it's a toolbox for mm. making stories. So, very Dragon Dance is a story. So, Dragon Dance, a D and D campaign setting and adventure path, right. is a story. So you can it's make a, a, a Dragon Dance story because there's yes. a plot and there's mm. characters. But D and D is isn't a story mm. in itself. So right. basically, all you end up doing is making a generic fantasy movie. And slapping D and D on it and sticking a
1: beholder in there, or you do s- silly stuff like one of the D and D movies. I think it was the second one. You know, he goes mm. into the magic shop and, and they're like, "Are you Paragon mode?" Or yeah. you know, and they do these dumb in jokes that that yeah. the general I mean, I really audiences think think aren't going to get.
0: They've got to like lean into their strongest or most iconic IP. So either they go with Dragonlance or make a drizzle movie because that's one of their strongest IPs. Yeah. I am mean, not saying yeah. that's necessarily a movie right. I personally would want to watch, but um, no, no. you know, these they, they, they've got to you lean got into the their actual characters kind of and, and settings and stories uh, rather than just a generic fantasy uh, movie right. with D and D just slapped on.
1: Slapped Either on the that poster. or go with. I think that's a good point. D
3: and D is more a brand for uh, kind of the same way that they had. Our anthology series back in the '90s and mm. about, all the way back to the '60s, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, Tales from the Crypt They're kind of thing, where yeah, yeah, each yeah. independent stories yeah. that are all under this one brand of Dungeons and Dragons. Here is a bunch of different I
0: fantasy. Think, stories. I think that would be. Yeah, I, I still um, just want Dragonlance, well, like Game of Thrones, make it a TV series.
1: Yeah, I, as much as if I got if I had to choose a D and D movie, I'd rather have Dragonlance, but I'd rather have it yeah, as an ongoing be so series because so the the material yeah. supports it. I mean, you could oh. you could have seasons. That's you can have at least three seasons. Game
2: of Thrones shaped hole, isn't that? I, I think the problem yeah, with Dragonlance, I think the special
0: effects needed for Dragonlance is a bit more than Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, dragons appear occasionally, whereas in Dragonlance, you've got like flashy magic and dragons and draconians and monsters and goblins and you know D and D monsters and stuff all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, i I still uh, I, I'm just a Dragonlance nerd. I just reread. Autumn Twilight, mm. not not that long ago. So another another point that that Russ brought up, which I think is mm-hmm. interesting, I want to expand on, there are a lot of people arguing these days that D D isn't even Tolkienish epic high fantasy anymore. Mm. Right? So, but yet if they make a movie, it's gonna be set in that. So uh, that being said, I do think they should go with like Forgotten Realms or, or, or something like that if they do a mm-hmm. a D and D movie. Yeah, that's not I Dragon mean they Lance. couldn't
0: really do an Eberron one because I just don't think people would associate th- those visuals with D and D. They would
3: have to. it would have to be an Eberron movie yeah. first right. and foremost, and then uh, uh-huh. happens to be Dungeons and Dragons as
1: well. Mm. Kind of
0: like what
3: they did with the Dragonlance animated movie.
1: Mm. yeah, they just called it Dragonlance. Yeah, a lot of people probably didn't even mm. know it was D and D. Or had come out yeah. of DD. Yeah.
0: Anyway, anyway. Well, thank you for joining me today on this 100th episode.
1: Special, special day. Congratulations yeah. on 100 thank episodes. You, thank you, Shane. Yeah.
0: Thank you for being a supporter of the show for so long. Thank you for covering for Peter yeah. so many times. Uh, thank you for just being yeah. a friend. Oh,
1: yes. Isn't that a song? Likewise. Thank
0: you for being a friend. Thank you for being That's a friend. That's the Golden Girls theme song. Oh, my God. Why do I know that? Because the golden girls are hot. <laughs> <awesome. a> <laughs> <why. laughs>
2: you love it. Yeah. And, and Daryl, thank um, you. We haven't, we haven't had the chance to read out all the nice things our listeners have said about us. Because people have written in, especially to be on the 100th episode. we got episode. a
0: message from Mark Rosenthal. Rhymes with ball or fool, he says. He says, dear Russ and Peter, and Daryl, I'll add Daryl, <laughs> I've been a listener since show number zero. And haven't regretted a minute of it. With a mix of humour and insight, you guys provide a unique take on the week's RPG news. Thanks to you and your special guests, I found products to peruse and services to support that make my game table more inclusive, more effective, and more fun. Here's to the next hundred episodes. Woohoo. Thank it's you. Very nice. We appreciate it. That's
1: very kind of used to say, yeah. well, That's nice.
0: So, Andrew McLaren. Uh Hi Russ and Peter Uh, Last Sunday you invited listeners to email But as usual didn't leave a clear path for that So here we are on your Patreon. (laughs) We like to make our listeners work For their appreciation (laughs) The age banding for gamers was amusing I am in the second generation of gamers The oldest in my group by some years And the youngest player in my group Is well over 45 You two do a great (laughs) show But thank goodness for (laughs) Daryl Yes. <laughs> and you are very, very English. <laughs> the ghosts of Tim Brooke Taylor and Terry Jones seem to haunt the airwaves, and I think—and if I think that—you must be near impenetrable to East Europeans and most Americans. Final quick shout out I to Darren Morrissey, who does a great spot as Mac. Uh Jordan Taylor, I wanted to congratulate you on this achievement. Thank you for the entertainment. Bless you for reigniting my enjoyment of RPGs and curse you for introducing me to so many interesting new books. Thank you and congratulations.
1: <laughs> very yes. Welcome. Right, thanks for the invite. I'm, I'm very flattered and honored that of you included us. Yeah. Well, thank yes. you. Thank you. And Darryl, thank you
0: both for coming on. Yes. And Daryl, you do do an amazing <laughs> may, job. May, you honestly, we're thank just you. a couple really of mumbling do, idiots, and you actually make a sound. Well, uh, like a couple uh, of mumbling idiots, but not quite yeah,
2: yeah. as <laughs> <but, but, but laughs> <But> well-edited <laughs> mumbling idiots. edited. Yeah, yeah. super
0: well-edited. It's well-edited like
1: you sound like a couple of edited 20 mumbling 20
2: idiots. Articulation.
1: Listen, uh, I do. I edit my own stuff, but nowhere near, although the, people don't understand the level of, of professionalism and effort oh, that Daryl brings to it. He, does, he really he works does. hard Thank on you. the editing.
2: Oh Yeah, I, I understand, because I'm here when the sausages are being made. So I'm like, oh, this is a this is much nicer product I'm hearing in my ears. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. did not as smoothly as all that. All right. Thank you, everybody, Absolutely. for listening. Thanks Thank so you much. for
0: joining us for these last 101 episodes, technically including episode zero.
1: May the, um, may the dice be <laughs> ever in your favor.
0: Hopefully you'll stick with us for another 100 episodes.
1: Absolutely. i player. Yay!
2: Yay!
0: Yay. Yay. On that note, Bye-bye. it is Goodbye from me,
2: Russ. And goodbye from me, Peter Coffey from the Southampton the Guild of Raw Players. Goodbye from me,
1: Shane Stacks of Shane Plays. And goodbye from me, your editor, Daryl.
0: Apparently, I now have to read this to you. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to Podcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see.
4: That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.